Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Mr. Gadgets. And uh, I've been debating on what should be the next ramble. And uh, I went and did a little bit of shopping, and that's what settled my mind on this particular one. And I was also trying to figure out what to call this, and I guess I'd come up with uh, A plus G equals minus B. And I'll explain what that means here. I decided to uh, go out and do some shopping at uh, Best Buy. Those of you international are probably familiar with Best Buy, even though you don't live in the United States of America, because it's one of those big box stores that you hear a lot about in the tech news. Uh, and uh, why are they called big box stores? I don't even know exactly where that comes from, but it's a big box store. Uh, and I guess I'll have to look that up in Urban Dictionary just to satisfy my curiosity about why uh, Best Buy is a, a, a big box store. I happened to have a little shopping center, which I thought was going to be the bane of my existence when they first decided to uh, take a large field that uh, had some horses that were kept in it for years and turn it into a shopping center. But it turns out even at Christmas time, it's not too bad. It's uh, kind of along uh, a route that I take to go into the rest of the little suburb that I live in here and uh, go uh, out to you know, one of the highways I use to get into town, all those kinds of things. And even during the height of Christmas, uh, it's not too bad traffic-wise. And the advantage of having this little shopping center is, of course, less than two miles from my house, I have a Best Buy store, right, a big box store for all of my electronics types of deeds. And through the years, this has gradually developed over the last decade here. The first thing we happened to get as any kind of a technology kind of an outlet here in my own little suburb was an Office Max. I happen to actually be passing by that right now. And uh, so that would have some computers and uh, computer software. This is still back when a lot of computer software Maybe it was on polycarbonate discs, right? I still went in there to look at the software they had available on Windows and all those kinds of things. And then in this little shopping center, we not only have the Best Buy, we also have an Office Depot uh, and uh, a, uh, a large Target, which is a U.S. kind of department store, the suburban department store kind of model here where there's clothing and a little bit of furniture and a little bit of food because we have a really big kind of target that has a, a grocery store kind of attached to it, uh, electronics, all kinds of things there at that store. And it had a Borders. Now, Borders is something, once again, if you live outside the U.S., you may have heard about this uh, on some tech podcasts, depending on what you listen to. Borders is shuttering doors. And, in fact, as I went in towards Best Buy, and I had some, you know, uh, they have a frequent shopper kind of program, and I had a certificate for 20 bucks worth of Best Buy, you know, kind of stuff because I spent way too much money there. And uh, so they they were rewarding me by giving me 20 bucks off, and it was about ready to expire. So I went in to find something that I could spend my $20 on before it was $20 in Confederate money. wasn't worth anything anymore. And I looked over to the right, and I was – not too surprised to see this because they've been announcing it and they've been saying it was going to come sometime during the month of September. And I noticed that our little border store was closed. Now, the border store, I think, 
is kind of a microcosm of a larger kind of uh, thing that I want to talk about here. But we'll we'll concentrate on books and expand from there, let's say, into uh, a larger kind of a discussion. And so for the book side of things, I mean, way back in the Dark Ages, when I went to school and I uh, you know, talked about uh, my first computer that I built literally – you know, soldering together pieces onto a, a circuit board. And when I traveled for business uh, in the uh, late, uh, well, to a certain extent when I traveled in the late 70s, but especially in the early 80s, uh, working for a software company here in Kansas City area, and I had a, a job that involved a lot of consulting and training, and so I was on the road quite a bit. And I would always find if there was a university or a college somewhere nearby, I would always find where that was relative to where I was going so that I could drive over there in the rental car and nose around the campus of the university. This would accomplish two things. Number one, I could usually work it so that I could get to the university bookstore, and university bookstores were a great source of the technical books that I was interested in in various programming languages, operating systems, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and I bought many Schwingerfellag books, as well as other technical kinds of publications from university bookstores, where they were, of course, textbooks for various types of uh, programming and IET types of classes. I also enjoyed very much the bookstores that kind of clustered around college campuses but were not the actual college bookstore itself. Uh, I enjoyed the, the zines, uh, the publications that were quite often printed, sometimes even mimeographed and, and uh, stapled together into small books, uh, and uh, various types of information you would get from those. And you have to consider, right, this is all pre-internet. So this was during the communications revolution and the computers and the printers being on desktops allowing for everybody to have their own printing press and start to say whatever it is they wanted to say. And uh, so that was a way to get that kind of information out. I still have one last copy, which I can't even remember now whether I bought new or found somewhere at a garage sale or someplace uh, and bought it used, but I have one last copy of the Whole Earth Catalog, which was also very popular, late 70s uh, and early 80s, which was kind of like the Internet in printed form. It was all kinds of interesting uh, items that you could buy on a wide variety of subjects, and this was back in the days of actual physical catalogs, and it was a literal catalog of all these interesting things that you could purchase via mail order. I, at one point, for that small software manufacturer uh, that uh, did office kinds of software and things like that to compete with uh, WordPerfect and DBase and uh, uh, Lotus Notes 1, 2, 3, uh, I mean Lotus 1, 2, 3, before Notes ever existed, uh, I had a job after I did the training stint where I was the person who did uh, various and sundry jobs around R&D, including acquiring a software. And I did a lot of that acquiring a software by calling up various types of, usually, photography mail order places. 
which also then got into the business of doing mail order of software out of the New York City area. And one of my favorite ones was 47th Street Photo. Uh, there was also, that was where I initially got uh, my first kinds of uh, uh, inklings of J&R, uh, you know, that kind of thing, uh, out of New York. Uh, There's 47th Street Photo and a couple of other photo places back then. can't remember if J&R was actually back in that era or not. Uh, and I actually called often enough to some of the guys that I actually developed a, a bit of a friendship with some of the salesmen that I would talk to on a semi-regular basis by this, that, or the other piece of software that we would need for our software development process. I remember talking to one guy, and uh, he was a bit reticent to take a PO, a, a, a purchase order, from me. And you know, because he had never really heard of innovative software, and I could kind of tell in his voice and everything, well, he wasn't so sure about taking a purchase order. And so I changed the subject, and I said, hey, I have a question. Do you guys sell smart software? This was the software that we produced. The company that I produced produced this software called Smart Software. It was, as I said, a word processor, a spreadsheet, and a database all in one, all designed to work together. And uh, I said, do you guys sell smart software? He said, oh, yes, yes, we do. I said, do you have a, the box set? Do you have a, a set of it right there with you? He says, yeah, it's, it's right here behind me on the shelf. I said, go over there and look at the uh, at that box of smart software and, and tell me what it says right at the bottom of the, the three-ring binder. And he, of course, read innovative software there and said, okay, I'll take your PO, <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, as I said, I, I developed a little bit of a, of a, of a rapport, at least, an acquaintance, uh, not really a friendship, but an acquaintance. You know, we, we knew each other, we worked on a regular basis, over the phone, and, and those kinds of things. I remember a funny story I heard once, uh, the, the man who, uh, well, I was in a production of Fiddler on the Roof here in Kansas City at the Starlight Theater, which is an outdoor theater very large outdoor theater owned by the city in, in its largest park. And they've done Broadway shows for years and years and years. And I was in the cast of Fiddler on the Roof once, and the man who was directing us in that play was Sheldon Harnick, who is the, uh, a famous composer. It was his brother. And in the Fiddler on the Roof, uh, there, there are several iconic kinds of lines, and if you're not familiar with the story, it's a very small, close-knit Jewish community in Tsarist Russia, and there are pogroms that are coming in to persecute them and and uh, get them to move. Uh, nobody likes them, and it's this very small-knit Jewish community, and and Tevya, the father of three girls, all three of his girls marry people that they don't ask his permission and you know only one of them marries a jew it's it's a it's a very kind of iconical story about discrimination and uh so the the, the man who's the director of the play he says you know it's really interesting because i have a salesman at 47th street photo and it's just like you know the it's literally just like going to anatevia anatevka when i go into to speak with him. Uh, and he said, for example, 
I walked in a couple of weeks before I came here for this trip because I wanted to uh, make sure that my camera was in good shape and I needed to pick up a couple of things. And I walked up to my regular salesman and he said, you can congratulate me. And he said, congratulations, what for? My daughter is getting married, he said. And that was exactly the kind of interchange, right? That I mean, that's word for word uh, a, a section of dialogue from Silver on the Roof. Anyway, there was a, a large group of, of people there within New York City that were already selling cameras, and then they started selling computers via uh, the mail as well as software. And so I was used to dealing with buying these kinds of things via long distance, if you will, because that's how I, that was my only way to get to some of these kinds of things. There wasn't a store I could just drive to. Eventually, we got CompUSAs that were quite spread across the country here. And we had a CompUSA here in uh, Kansas City as well as other places that I went. Micro Center started to spring up. I've already told the story about uh, how I went and bought, uh, found a Micro Center in Houston, Texas, and uh, have gradually started to go to every Micro Center. I have a, an unwritten, you know, goal in life. I want to go to every Micro Center in the U.S. before <laughs> uh, before they all close down, which is kind of the subject of this whole, you know, little discussion here because uh, things like Borders and Barnes and Noble, two large bookstores also didn't exist back then. I had to go to the college bookstore to find the technical books. Eventually, though, the computer stores started becoming local, and I could go to the local computer store, the CompUSAs, and those kinds of things, large change, as well as local computer stores. And there's a very flourishing business, of course, for all that. And the bookstores started coming in and I remember when the first Borders store ever got built here in Kansas City. Before that, there would be little local bookstores that would be uh, maybe at a mall or something like that or in a strip mall. And uh, But their, their selection was usually rather limited. And these were very large stores. And there was one over on the Kansas side of the border, and we would go over. We'd drive over and make a special trip just to go to that Borders store. And then Barnes & Noble started to come in. I had a border store two miles from my house. And I could go in there and purchase books uh, on a regular basis, obviously. And we would quite often just go to the bookstore since it was so close. We'd go to the bookstore. Somebody would you know, have something or other they wanted to look for, my daughters, my wife, myself. And we'd head up to the bookstore. I'd go by there, see if a magazine, you know, latest, you know, uh, latest issue of a magazine was out. And it's kind of like Tom Hanks says in You've Got Mail, right? It, it was a goddamn piazza. It was a place that we went to to kind of gather with other people. I have a lot of fond memories of that bookstore because uh, uh, voice is a little funny there. <laughs> I have a lot of of fond memories of that bookstore because as my youngest daughter who was very into Harry Potter and was very young when those first came out, well, when those midnight kind of Harry Potter, the next book is coming out kinds of things, I had to go up with her uh, and take her up to those midnight kinds of things because she wasn't old enough to drive or anything like that. 
And so I remember going up to, you know, and seeing all the kids dressed up as characters. And there's all kinds of things about that bookstore that I remember very fondly. Now, it's shuttered. It's closed. And I think there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason why the Cop USA stores have closed. Now, it's a combination of two things. Number one, the A, the Amazon, in my little equation. Amazon is now my source for a lot of technology, as well as books. And I happen to be a Prime member, right? So I get the two-day shipping. If I don't have to have it right now, if I don't need that immediate gratification of buying something just because I see it or I don't need it right this second, I can get it without paying extra costs with two-day shipping. And there's an Amazon literally on the other side of the border. There's an Amazon in Kansas City, Kansas, which is just across the border about, let's say, I'm not sure exactly, but give or take eight miles in the direction west that I'm pointing from where I am right now is the Kansas border, okay? And not very far from here, 13 or 14 miles or so, uh, just across the border from my work and my work in downtown Kansas City, I can literally walk four blocks over and look down uh, a very steep, almost like a cliff, and see the Kansas border there. It's just blocks away, although it would be a difficult walk because there's a oh, 400-foot drop <laughs> along the way before you get there. But there's that warehouse right over there. So some of the stuff in that warehouse and the two-day shipping is really one-day shipping. It goes to UPS or, or uh, you know, uh, FedEx, whoever's shipping it. It goes to their sorting facility. It gets on a truck, and it comes to me the next day, even though it's only promised to be two-day shipping. And if I don't need it right away, I don't pay as much at Amazon, right? And that's really eaten away. It's eaten away. It's 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 cutting down on that business. A lot of the books that I would buy, I actually didn't necessarily buy at the Borders. If I was going to pay full price for the book, I would order it from a, a lady who owns a little local bookstore that we know, that we've got to know through the years, and she makes a living mostly on used books. A lot of romance novels and things like that, and people come in and trade them and, and uh, use that credit for new books and things like that. She's got a lot of children's toys and children's books that are new at the front, but she can order any book that I have the ISBN number for. So if I'm going to pay full freight, I'd usually order it from her. Once again, I didn't need that immediate gratification. I didn't need to pick up that book that day. I didn't need to pick up that technology that day. I could wait a day or two. The other one is Google. The G in the equation is Google. So between Amazon and Google showing me all kinds of other places besides just Amazon where I might buy this cheaper, ironically, some of them are those same places that I remember or at least newer versions of those places I remember. I don't know if there's a 47th Street photo anymore in New York the way they used to be 30 years ago when we're talking here, but there's B&H Photo, and there's J&R, and there's various other places like that. There's Abe's of Maine, 
And they don't just sell photography, they also sell computers, and they also sell all kinds of technology there. And if I can just wait two or three days, I can get a cheaper price because they buy stuff in such huge bulk. They can always be, unless I get a credit, unless I need it right this second, that's almost always going to beat, unless it happens to be on sale this week, what I can purchase up here at this Best Buy. And yet I still like going to the Best Buy and looking and seeing and, and playing with and touching these things. And I do occasionally get into situations where I want that immediate kind of thing. Now, Best Buy still here, Comp USA closed down. I think I know why, and that's because CompUSA kind of tried to be still a computer store, but also sold TVs there towards the end, and they were kind of neither fish nor fowl. They didn't want to give up their space that they had for box sets of software, uh, but they didn't really have room enough for that, plus the TVs and the computers. But really, I think the reason why is somehow, some way, I could go to a CompUSA store and walk out with nothing in my hands. And when Mr. Gadgets goes to your technology store and does it at least most of the time walk out with something in his hands that he's bought from you or at least came about this close, two millimeters, three millimeters or so between my fingers here, to buying something in your store, you're doing something wrong as a technology store. Because I'm a target that is part of your target-rich environment here, okay? I'm your prime guy you want coming to your technology store. And if you can't get me to most of the time walk out of your store with something, there is something just odd. There is something wrong. There is something that they just didn't do. Now, Best Buy usually gets me to walk out with a little something here or there, right? Micro Center almost always gets me to walk out with a little something here or there. Sometimes big, sometimes little. Borders. I would still buy things at Borders. But the thing about Borders is the difference between Barnes and Noble, when they would send me something that said so much percentage off of something in the store, and Borders, when they would send me so much percentage off because I'm a quote unquote member, frequent shopper, whatever is when Borders would send me 30% off anything in the store, when you read the fine print, they didn't mean anything. And basically, they did mean when they said anything was everything in the store that I would want to buy from them was not included in the 30% off. They were focused on wanting me to buy physical books, paper within covers, the old traditional book. That's what they were focused on. Whereas Barnes & Noble might send me in the same week, maybe on the same day, an email that says 15% off, but at least in Barnes & Noble's case, the 15% off didn't exclude some of the things that I would buy with the 15% off coupon, like a magazine that I was interested in, but I don't, I'm not interested in it enough to subscribe to the entire year, or other kinds of things like that. Now, they both excluded their electronic book readers, and I, we won't get into which one has the better electronic book reader. I think, you know, the it's pretty much a clear case that uh, that the Barnes & Noble people had a clear idea that electronic books were coming, 
and had a better plan with a in the nook and its offshoots, uh, the color nook and all those kinds of things, had a more compelling product in that regard, whereas Borders never really had their own electronic reader. They were always using somebody else's electronic readers, and it was kind of a hodgepodge uh, kind of approach. Borders never got that they're going to have to get out of the selling physical goods world so much and going into the electronic books world. And who knows? The next thing to go may be the borders. Because God help me, I, well, I'll talk about that in a second. My brother, last Christmas, made an announcement to everybody, and I've been kind of living this as a lifestyle, if you will, or a life choice here for the last year. He announced last Christmas, I don't want anything for Christmas except consumables. He's over half a century old, about four years younger than me, and he has acquired enough stuff in life, and all he wanted was consumables. Bottle of wine, great. Another book, not so much, okay? Another thing in his life he didn't need, but, you know, something nice and tasty, liquid or solid, he was more than amenable to. And I've been kind of working on that. I have a pile of books at home that I can't even tell you how many books I have queued up that I would be interested in reading that are my favorite kinds of authors. I've read other books in the series. But I hardly ever sit down and just read a book anymore because I'm so busy doing all these other things in my life. Not nearly the way I used to voraciously read through books when I was young, and especially when I was young and single, and didn't have the Internet as a distraction, okay? But most of the things that I've done in the last year, I have tried. I've gone out of my way. If there's an electronic book version of it, that's what I've acquired, rather than the physical book. I really like audiobooks and some of the things I get audio-wise and have somebody else read it to me in my ear. And ironically, I've done more of that in recent years than sitting down with a novel and reading it. The reason I said God help me before, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite all-time authors, Neil Stevenson, has come out with a new book. It's kind of, okay, I don't even know how you would pronounce this Reamdy, I guess. It's read me, but the E the the D at the end of D read and the M at the beginning of V are reversed. So it's R E A M D E. I love Neil Stevenson. I'm gonna buy this book and read it no matter what. No matter what somebody says about it, I'm gonna read it. But God help me and God help Barnes and Noble I'm probably going to buy the electronic version of it, and this will be the first Neil Stevenson book that I have not bought a physical copy of, and that I have rather gone for the electronic copy of it. Now, admittedly, I'm probably going to buy an ebook version of it and an audiobook version of it and kind of switch back and forth. You know, read when I can and then pick up from there and have the unabridged version and have somebody else read it to me. I may combine both of those. But I doubt, and it's on Amazon, it's almost exactly the same price right now. 
less than 20 bucks. Right now, whether it's the ebook version or whether it is the print version. And this will probably be the first one that I don't own as a physical sheet of paper. Now, is this just me? Is just me, just me, this crotchety old man who's used to doing things the old-fashioned way and who thinks you young folks are being crazy posting your whole life on YouTube because it's going to come by to bite you in the rear end, and we'll probably have a discussion about that later too. Or is this just the way we have created this world? We have created this world where the brick-and-mortar stores, if they don't get ahead of it quick, are going to cease to exist. And you're not going to be able to, you're not going to have the opportunity anymore to stop by on your way home and pick up that book or that hard drive. But as long as you plan ahead, you can have it at your doorstep in a couple of days. Three, if you want to live in the boonies, heck, I could move up to Montana, and I wouldn't even have to live in Missoula, right? I wouldn't even have to live in a town. I probably would because I kind of like Missoula, and it's, you know, I like having a few people around and stuff like that. But I could live on a, a ranch if I was rich enough to own a bunch of land up in Montana, and it'd only probably take me three days to get something delivered up there. And as long as I figured out a way to get my high-speed Internet access, I could get access to media. I wouldn't have to live in a city anymore unless I'm pursuing some artistic craft that requires other people to be involved, such as being an actor, being involved in in other kinds of things that are group kinds of projects and things like that. As long as I'm pursuing a solitary kind of uh, not needing, heck, other musical kinds of things, I can collaborate with people over the Internet. We have created a world here that does not require those physical interactions anymore. Now, part of my job way back when was doing doing work uh, in international and working with translators. And I used to go on, at least every six months or so, I'd go on a trip over to Europe and work with my translators and eh, give or take about at least one out of every three trips, I come back with the messages fully translated on disks to either produce the the software in Kansas City, or we would have worked on it over there with our tools, and I would have come back with a set of master disks. I was sitting on a plane flying across the Atlantic one night just before I tried to get some sleep, and, well, actually it was a day because it would be day when I was coming back that direction. Anyway, I'm on the plane coming back, and I realize, you know, oh, I know, it was at night, and it was the other direction. doesn't really matter, right? But I was actually carrying a set of master discs with me over to our German and Swiss software distributors for the German version of the software. And I actually had the set of master disks with me, and I was carrying them into them. I had uh, been working on them just before I came, and they realized I was going to be doing that, so I was hand-carrying in the master disks, and they were going to get them duplicated there. And it's a few cents per disk, right? And let's say for the sake of you know this discussion, uh, this software required five disks, okay? 
five discs at 50 cents a disc when you bought them in bulk or something like that. So you got $2.50, $3 maybe in, you know, the actual physical media. The information that was on the media that was valuable and that's what the value-added tax theoretically should be is is figuring out what that value add is for that particular thing. But we're selling this for hundreds of dollars, and it's five dollars worth of this. But if you arrange the bits the right way on the media, it becomes a program that you can use to get your computer to do something useful, and people are willing to pay you money for that. And I was taking that in to Germany, and then in Germany, there was going to be the duplication and packaging. They had all the German packaging there that we'd been working for months, the German version of the manual. that They were going to print it over there, and they were going to have a package that duplicated ours, entirely translated into German. And that was going to sell for a premium over the hundreds of dollars we got for it in the United States to get the German version. And it occurred to me that the politicians who set up things like the value-added tax had no idea that this was what was happening. The technology had outstripped them, had outrun them in terms of taxing these things. And now... It was a reality, and they were going to have to try to catch up. And I'm not just talking about politicians and taxing things, but I will ask you to think about this. There's a huge amount of taxes that are paid by businesses that are around you. How many of those businesses are retail-related, and how many of those businesses might not exist in five years, in ten years? And where are the politicians going to go for the money that they need to have or think that they need to have to provide the services that they're convinced that they need to do because that's how they get you to vote for them? Do you want to live in a world where there isn't a way for you to just, you know, on your way home, pick up a little, you know, bit here and there of technology? Do you want to still have that bookstore where you can go and just peruse through the books? I don't have an answer for this, but this is the kind of questions I have in my mind here, and I would be interested in anybody's feedback, and it doesn't have to be feedback just to me, right? I am Mr. Gadgets on, you know, uh, Twitter. Uh, send me email at mrgadgets.com. Just put in your name at mrgadgets.com, and it'll get to me, okay? And tell me what you think about this. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it an inevitable thing? Is it like being a buggy whip manufacturer in the early 1900s, and it's already too late? Do you think the government should step in and somehow force it? I don't think that ever works, but, you know, you, There's a world coming, and I'm not sure what I think about that. Now, what I'd really like somebody to do is record their own podcast about your opinion about how this has gone, where this is going, 
what you think we as the technologists should do when we're developing the technology and how we should be thinking about what that technology is doing and how the technology and the implementation of the technology is affecting the world around us. So call in an episode or record an episode and send it in to Ken and you'll be on Hacker Public Radio talking about what you care about. And me, I just said, because I don't have a bookstore that I can go up to and just sit and, you know, thumb through a magazine, see whether I want to buy it or not. And all the memories that were associated with that. And I really don't want that Best Buy store to go away because, you know, that's just too convenient. Anyway, philosophical or just a bunch of ramblings of, oh, well, we won't go into that, will we? Bye now. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All Binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.